Welcome in. It's a new edition of the Lions 24-7 podcast. Tyler Donahue, Sean Fitz with you as always. Uh, doing this podcast from about a thousand miles apart. I am down in 95 degree Florida and Sean's up in, in uh, rainy Happy Valley. And uh, when I put it that way, Sean, I didn't mean to, to rub any salt in the wound. I'm sweating uncontrollably down here, so everything's got a downside. But uh, I'm glad we could pull this off, get a show up this week. Yeah, I'm, I, I felt bad for you a second ago when you said you were sweating your ass off, but uh, you know I'm really, really not feeling it so much anymore. But glad you can get away and have some good time. He's a, he's a saint. He and his wife are taking, I believe, your 99 year old, uh, her 99 year old grandfather down there um, to to spend a couple of days. That's that's awesome. But uh, just back- just, saw, just saw him on Memorial Day, by the way. 99 years old, World War II vet, very special, and all the veterans listening out there. Um, you know, anyone who's been impacted by the loss of a veteran, uh, you know, late happy Memorial Day and, and hope it was a, a, a positive day for each of you. Memorial Day means the end of May, which, of course, is pretty much the slowest month we have uh, at Lions 24-7 in, I guess, in the college football recruiting calendar um, because camp season doesn't start until June 1st. Penn State will kick off its camp uh, camp season on Saturday uh, at home in the specialist camp. We've talked about that a couple of times. Gonna, I think it's going to be a loaded lineup um, in terms of telling you who's coming. Um, we're going to get to that on the site. I mean, it's it's punters and kickers. I'm sorry. I mean, it's it's not going to move the needle all that much in the podcast. But also, Penn State has some of the staff members going down to Mercer in Macon, Georgia, for their super camp on the first and then the second. James Franklin and a few of his staff members will be at Lafayette to do Lawrence first and goal camp. It's a camp they do every year. Um, it's sort of a it's kind of a fundraiser, just charitable event, but it's also a pretty big camp. A lot of kids come out, and a bunch of coaches have been to it in the past. I think Jim Harbaugh was the the uh, the featured speaker a couple of years ago, but Franklin usually makes time for that one on his um, on his schedule. And of course, Penn State uh, and every college ten days in June and July outside of the dead period, which runs uh, from I believe the June twenty. 23rd until July 24th, um, it, it, 10 days to do those camps. So you got to jam them in. So a couple of staff members will be at Grand Valley State in Saginaw, Michigan for the best of the Midwest camp. Um, and then they'll come back for the the typical camps. June, uh, June 8th and June 9th are, are on-campus camps. June 15th, 16th on-campus camps. June 22nd, the whiteout camp uh, will be in Happy Valley. Last year it was in Beaver Stadium. Right now Beaver Stadium's turf is being renovated. So that's uh, going to be back into the practice uh, facility, which is actually good for Tyler and I because you can see a little bit more there. Um, underclass showcase at the end of July and, of course, the Lash Bash at the end of July as well. So busy couple of months, uh, minus that whole four-week dead period that's, that's popped up on the schedule in the last couple of years. Yeah, and this is a, you know, a portion of the calendar where we've seen Penn State produce results on the recruiting trail. We know the Lash Bash uh, always tends to produce uh, one, two, three commitments. And, and yeah, that specialist camp is one that you and I have had our eye on for a while. Blake Gillikin's going to be leaving the program. He's been a very uh, important weapon for them. Um, we've talked about punter being a, a spot you're probably going to dedicate a scholarship to in the 2020 class. So maybe they find their guy. I will say on the specialist camp, it's just a, a whole different world those guys live in. I remember talking to Jake Pinnegar after he got his offer from Penn State at one of these camps in Happy Valley. And they put him out there in Beaver Stadium, asked them to make all these field goals. And you had assistant coaches, James Franklin, doing everything they could to distract him making it very apparent that a scholarship was on the line. It's, a, it's an initial test of, of how a kid's going to handle pressure. Jake Pinnegar, I think, nailed all of them but one, went home with a scholarship, committed very quickly. So 
that, that's the first one. I know it's not the, the sexy camp on everybody's mind, but I think it, it's one that warrants attention um, every year. And it could get immediate results. I mean, these, these mm-hmm. scholarships are not uh, plentiful for specialists, and they know that, and they're going to go around to a certain amount of camps. They're going to scout depth charts. It's probably, probably when you look at position by position, it's probably the position that scouts the depth chart the closest because you have to know what scholarship is available. You're not just going to go to Alabama just to, to, to kick to see what's happening. you got to know that they're giving out a scholarship. Penn State's made it clear that they have a scholarship earmarked for this class uh, with the new special teams coordinator and, of course, Blake Gilligan taking off. So it's one of those ones where you could see a, a, an offer go out very quickly after the camp, and then you could also see a quick turnaround, which I think is what happened with Pinnaker uh, a couple of years ago. So they're going to do that. And also – the big week, uh, the big weekend coming up, June twenty second. There's there's a lot of visitors coming in in June for Penn State, uh, as is all over the country, because you know June and uh, June and July, you can t- excuse me, June you can make official visits, and that won't start up again until their senior year, and you can take uh, you can take August visits, uh, you know, through the season through signing day. But uh, the, N- the NCAA rule is you can take official visits through the Sunday before the final Wednesday in June. It's it's a little all over the place to get there, but. June twenty third is it, and then the window is closed for those official visits until you know season's underway. Important to note, yeah, you can't come back for an official visit for the Lash Bash on July twenty seventh. That's out of the calendar. There's so many rules that that you have to go around. But what we're expecting on a national level, and I was talking to Brian Doan about this the other day, is you know you're going to see that June twenty second weekend. It's kind of like a, a hard deadline for some of these kids, and, and once they get past that, you're going to see a flush of commitments. I think all over the country because you guys you have guys that want to shut it down. It's those. Guys guys that you know used to want to shut it down in early August before they went to camp or before they got into their senior season now they're probably going to start doing that midsummer so you're looking probably um, you know the the end of June to the beginning of July you could see a rush of commitments throughout the country and I think Penn State will be will be part of that but yeah, we will one of those one of those kids said in an announcement Sean Joseph Johnson cornerback out of Virginia spent some time committed to NC State you saw this one coming uh, way down the pike that that was going to be a short-lived pledge He's apparently just about ready again. July 4th, uh, you know, announcing he's going to be committing. Ohio State recently hosted him. But he was high on Penn State. He's a guy I'm going to be curious to see if he gets back up to campus between now and then. Because like you said, a lot of these guys want to shift the focus to, to their hometown teams, their high school senior year. Um, and that means taking care of business. And, and I think you're right. That last weekend of June visits for a lot of these kids, it's, it's ready or not. I got to make a decision. I think some kids will rush into a decision because they've set that deadline. Uh, but I think you're going to see a lot of classes expand and, you know, Penn State, I, I certainly don't see them at 10 for very much longer in this class. Well, I've got good news for you because Joseph Johnson will be back on campus in June. Uh, he told 24-7 Sports that this week. Um, it, it, You know, it's a schedule that's kind of uh, like his recruitment has been kind of all over the place. So they'll nail down dates. Uh, he plans to be there in June. Also planning, you know, while we're on that subject, Henry Gray picked up a, a 24-7 crystal ball pick from Bill Green from Ohio. Bill was, I think, one of the first ones on Derek Wingo to Penn State. And uh, his South Florida guy is telling him, that Penn State's doing a really good job at Henry Gray, a guy that Ohio State still wants, a guy that Penn State's been after. Jaywan Sider and Terry Smith were down there a couple of weeks ago. He's going to take an official visit the weekend of June 22nd. I like that pick by Bill because that's uh, that's a job that you know you never really know who's for certain going to come out of South Florida or and Penn State's going to actually be involved with. There's there's a different definition of being involved with a South Florida kid and being involved with a, another kid. 
um, uh, from anywhere else in the country, pretty much. But uh, we're talking about Miami Central High School. Miami I mean, Central, that is right, right in the middle. middle of the hotbed, right there. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> you're a geography whiz too. I guess you're in Florida, so you you know these things. Um, uh, yeah, I'm very aware of these things. But uh, Henry Gray is definitely. I think you'd be definitely one to watch, and that's that's one of those ones where you know one could impact the other. I think Penn State would take them both. They're only shooting for two cornerbacks in this class. Josh Moten's already uh, committed, but at the same time, if Henry Gray and Joseph Johnson want to come, two of your sort of A-list targets. You're probably going to take uh, both if that if it comes to that. Another A-list target, uh, tight end Theo Johnson, of course the the Canadian tight end from right across uh, the border from Detroit and Windsor, Ontario, narrowed his list to seven. Uh, I look at that list and I see three, maybe four contenders right now. I think Penn State, uh, and, and I said I. I I've, I guess I had people panicking a little bit when I talked about Theo Johnson on the podcast last week. I still like where Penn State stands with him, but Georgia's right there. Iowa's right there. He's going to take an official visit to Iowa in June. And then Michigan, I think, just because of location, is still involved there. They look to be exploring other options right now at tight end. And if this was ever a year where Iowa would be able to go out and get this kind of a talent at tight end, you know, coming off of, of two players at the position going first round in the draft, makes sense to see them in this discussion. Um, you know, but Theo Johnson, I'm pretty sure he told you this uh, earlier this year in the spring. You know, Penn State was in on him early, comparatively, relatively. Um, you know, they, they saw him in that camp. Uh, they, they, they like what they saw. And, and you know, a lot of uh, Power 5 programs have come calling, but, but Penn State was one of those early teams in the mix, and I think that does make a difference. Uh, you know, they've had stability with the coaching staff in terms of the guys he's dealing with. Um, so you know, I think they're going to get him back on uh, for the whiteout game against Michigan, as you reported a, a while ago. Uh, we'll see where this goes, but I still see Penn State because of, of their position room, the productivity they've had at tight end, uh, Tyler Bowen and what he's accomplished on the recruiting trail and the reputation he has built during a short time in Penn State. Um, you, you still like where Penn State's in this recruitment, but the, it's going to be one you have to earn, that's for sure. And I'm, I'm curious, you know, we talked about the whiteout and he's mentioned he's going to take his official visit that weekend. I'm curious if he's also on campus uh, when, when Penn State plays Buffalo this year because his brother is uh, is on the is a member of the Bulls team. I think he's a quarterback. Um, so that's uh, that's one thing that's that certainly would go in Penn State's favor if he were able to make that trip. He told me he's not sure yet. But, you know, anytime you can get to a place you want to see and, and see your brother at the same time, it's probably a good thing. His brother was actually at camp last year when, when Penn State offered him. Uh, Johnson also picked up an opening invite, uh, just just like Derek Wingo and wide receiver Parker Washington. Both, uh, of course, Wingo, a Penn State commit, Washington, a Penn State target out of Texas. So those uh, opening invites continuing to go out. We're monitoring them, of course. And then staying with the tight end, Darnell Washington out of Las Vegas, seven-on-seven teammate with Micah Bowen, Penn State quarterback commit, narrowed his list to 12. Not surprising Penn State's in there. They're going to try and get him back from the whiteout game, but this kid, he's just on another level as an athlete. Yeah, he looks like one of those, uh, you know, power forwards playing tight end, a guy who can just, you know, good luck figuring out how to match up with him in high school. You know, in college, there may be some more answers and he'll have to fight through some challenges. But definitely, you know, turn on the highlights for Washington. It is a, a man among boys scenario. Um, and, you know, hey, you got the tie in with the quarterback. It's a good spot to start for a tight end prospect. No doubt. Uh, Penn State also on the list of Sam Adams the second. You'll remember, remember his father was a defensive lineman at Texas A&M and then uh, drafted by the Seattle Seahawks, played in the NFL for a while. Penn State in the top six there. Honestly, a little bit surprising because, you know, you haven't heard much. They've recruited Eastside uh, Christian or Eastside Catholic very well. 
uh, or extensively, maybe not well. They don't have the results. They're also recruiting DJ Rogers. I think the number one prospect in 2021 is there as well. And Penn State's been out there a couple of times to check in on things. Um, you know, it's one of those opportunities that, or excuse me, one of those things where Sam Adams sees an opportunity at Penn State to play. Um, and he has them on his list. Uh, and I, I actually watched this list last night at like one o'clock in the morning, not expecting Penn State to be on there. I uh, expected Texas A&M, expected Washington, which is the crystal ball leader, uh, Alabama, Florida, and Ohio State, the other t- uh, schools on there. But Penn State sort of scrapping for a running back. They're doing all they can in a couple of different areas in the country because you know, one thing that really surprised us earlier this week, Marshawn Lloyd committed to South Carolina. That surprised a lot of people. <laughs> I know I was talking to Doan the other day, and he's just, uh, I mean, it kind of blindsided. I mean, he had, uh, Lloyd had taken a couple of visits to South Carolina, so, you know, they were on the radar, but this was looking like a Georgia-Penn State battle with Maryland in there as well. And uh, let's be frank, Georgia doesn't lose a lot of kids to South Carolina. Penn State's lost some kids to South Carolina. It's been an Achilles heel at times. Ja'Kai Moore, you know, of course, committed to the game, Gamecocks late in the last cycle. Georgia doesn't lose a heck of a lot of uh, prospects to uh, to South Carolina. So this was certainly an eye-opener, and, and, it's, and it's one of those ones where this is a guy at the top of the board for Penn State, and this is, gonna, this is one that actually stings a bit. Yeah, and South Carolina, nice little thing going for them. They've got a, a top 100 quarterback in that class as well out of South Carolina. So uh, we'll see. You know, They're going to have to you know, fight other teams off here the rest of the way. There's no doubt about it. We'll see how the season goes for them. You know, it, it's just funny. We're two years removed from, from those June camps in 2017 when a lot of these guys that we're talking about now got those Penn State offers. You know, Fleming, Lloyd, Tyree, the commitments are coming. They're not going in the direction that you're looking at. And then you've got the new names that are popping up. Um, you know, Christian Fitzpatrick, R.J. Moten now at the running back name. It is really a point, I think, in the recruiting calendar where you're looking at a, a reset at a lot of different positions. Running back's one that we've said for a while. What you end up there uh, is going to look a lot different than what you maybe thought it, it, could, it could end up being. And you know, I think you know, with what they have at, at running back right now and the brand they have, People are going to want to come to Penn State and play running back. They're going to want to come play for J1 Sider. I just, uh, you know, right now you're looking a little bit away from some of those top 50 overall prospects. Uh, but let me remind you that uh, I think in the last, uh, in the Franklin era, I think Saquon Barkley was the fourth or fifth highest ranked running back out of that group. So um, I think they, they like a lot of these players who are out there, Sean. You're looking at South Florida again at the running back spot. But I will say it takes a lot to blindside guys like Brian Doan and our 24-7 recruiting team because they are so good at what they do. So to hear that, you know, kind of kind of further reinforces what I thought. And I saw that commitment and said, "Okay, hold on a second. South Carolina. And and I know you you felt kind of the same, but hey, tip your cap to the Gamecocks. But that's one they're going to have to keep. Uh, you know, working at all the way into December, I would imagine. You usually don't have to watch the video if you've been around it enough and you can tell what's coming. And, you know, you actually had to, to go to the end to say what what's going on here. But uh, uh, Lloyd's a guy that did not like the process. He's a guy that Penn State, you know, thought they were getting on campus several times throughout the cycle and, and did not happen. Now I do, ex- I still expect him back on campus in June with uh, DeMatha for the team camp as they come up every year. Um, and he told us that, that he was coming up. So, We'll see. I don't. I don't think this is one that they, you know, let go. We'll see what happens with South Carolina because that's, you know, as an offensive prospect. I mean, you've got questions there pretty much every year under under Will Muschamp. So we'll see what happens there. But uh, that's a that's a tough pill to swallow. Getting uh, back to some of our content on the site, we, we ranked recruiting needs, or I ranked recruiting needs last week. Um, not a ton of surprises in here, but a bunch of uh, a bunch of good notes and stuff like that. So we're going to go through that fairly quickly. We start at 10, uh, just kind of down in top 10, and we, we left punter, kicker out of here once again. I apologize to the punters and kickers. 
I'm sorry, you're not a big part of our demographic. Anyway, uh, we'll, we'll go with number 10 quarterback. Micah Bones is on board. I don't see them adding another one after adding two last year. Linebacker kind of low at nine. Uh, got a couple of commitments right there, but you're looking at guys uh, still still on the board like Cody Simon and Court Williams and and potentially Bengali Kamara. But that situation is kind of a little bit murky right now. Probably going to add one, maybe two more linebackers if it's the right guy. But Cody Simon going to be on campus in June. That's uh, an unofficial visit, which is sort of caught my eye because he's scheduling out these official visits and he wants to see Penn State one more time as, as an unofficial, possibly saving that for a game or something like that. So Cody Simon, whose brother went through the process, he knows what, what he's doing with this approach. So we'll see what happens there. Cornerback we talked about, Henry Gray, Joseph Johnson are, are guys to watch in there. I believe there's a, a kid from California coming in for an official visit as well, whose, whose name I don't have written down in front of me. Uh, tight end at number seven. They're going to get a good one. I just don't know who it's going to be. I think it's Theo Johnson, but Cole Taylor is going to take an official visit. Joe Royer was on campus two weeks ago. And then running back at number six, I kind of feel the same way. It's just I'm not sure which way it's going to go. It's the theme of this class is I think it's going to be a good class. I don't think it's going to be a great elite class. And it's certainly not the way that we mocked it up a couple of months ago. Right. And look, running back tight end, you feel good that you're going to you're going to like the results there next winter, whatever happens there. You know, and I, I still go back to quarterback and, you know, just about every other year. It makes sense. You took two last year. You've got your guy on board. Clearly, they're still, you know, doing their homework on other players, uh, a player that we had talked about before uh, them visiting uh, Jacoby Criswell down in, uh, in Arkansas and Ricky Ronnie keeping tabs on him. He's a big SEC target down there. But, um, you know, I just wonder if not necessarily Penn State, but I guess across college football, and I've said this before, will teams be encouraged to maybe go with the multi quarterback class route because of the transfer situations and um, you know, I, I, you know, you you did a great job running through all those. I don't really need to add anything, but I, I still kind of circle back a quarterback and wonder, you know, as NCAA and the coaches kind of bounce off each other with these new rules, will we see more multi-quarterback classes? moving forward, not necessarily just for Penn State, but I think across the country. It's a good question because if you go to that well too often, then I think you might have a problem finding the second guy over and over again. So we'll see what happens there. But blew through the uh, five, uh, excuse me, six through ten, spent a little more time on the top five. I have d- defensive tackle is top five, and they've got a commitment from Cole Brevard. But really probably two, uh, excuse me, one or two guys left in this class. We look at Kaziah Izzard, who's going to take an official visit on the weekend of June 27th. Or excuse me, June 22nd. Uh, Bryce Austin was on campus previously. Isaiah Rake's going to take an official in June. Brandon Taylor going to take an official in June. There's a lot of names out there. Ty Hamilton planning on taking an official in June. He just got offered by Ohio State yesterday. I think that probably just a matter of time because his older brother plays for the Buckeyes. He's a picking picking. Pickerington kid, which is a very tough word to say, um, but uh, that's uh, I think there's a lot of names out there, a lot of realistic possibilities. Dayon Hayes was just on campus as well, so um, defensive tackle probably looking at one of those more athletic guys, a guy like a Damian Barber that you can build up, or a guy like a Hakeem Beeman that you can place some end and then move up to tackle. They're looking for more athleticism in there. Um, where it lands, I'm not sure. I like Brandon Taylor a lot, Kaziah Izzard. Uh, I like him now after seeing him in camp better than I saw him on film last year. So it could be all over the place, but I think they've got some quality options there. I'm with you on Izzard. He's, he's a guy that I definitely have a different viewpoint of him after seeing him in camp a couple times this spring. And um, out of the, all the guys you mentioned, I, I think he fits the bill of someone you bring in, assess what you've gotten as, a, as an athlete, and then probably work to, to for that weight gain and, and power gain. 
Uh, I know he really enjoys playing defensive end. It seems like his heart is at defensive end. But when I look at his physical frame and the athleticism that he brings to the defensive line, I think it's a really strong fit for him to move in sl- move inside um, as his college career progresses. No surprise here, but offensive tackle at number four, Penn State has commitments from Grant Tutant and Aaron Parks. Parks on 24-7 sports, we just moved to guard. I think he may project there in a perfect world a little bit better. Uh, he's got some some uh, weight that he needs to lose, but look pretty good at the opening regional. They have him slotted as a tackle, and they want to add maybe one, maybe two if it's the right guys. Um, and, and when I talk about the right guys, I'm talking Olu Fashanu, Michael Carmody, I think trending away a little bit right now. He's got some visits in June, none to Penn State. And Josh Fryer is the most interesting guy I have um, left because he's going to take an official visit in mid-June. Um, he's, he's a guy that we have listed as a center, but he's he would play 10th tackle at Penn State, but he's also got the versatility. He's a high school center. He's kind of like a Connor McGovern, the, one of those few guys that actually plays center in high school. Can put him all over the line. I like him a lot. Of course, Anton Harrison remains in the mix. Uh, Penn State sort of hot and cold on that recruitment, and they offered DeAndre Buford in, in Michigan last week. So, you know, five commitments so far on the offensive line. Uh, you add another tackle here, you're probably feeling pretty good. I think Fashanu is probably the most realistic. Friars in there in that mix as well. Again, Carmody, I think, trending away a little bit, but it's still in a good spot at tackle. Yeah, and developments in the past 12 months made the perimeter of the offensive line the priority there, Sean. You, you know Nana Sedu looked like he could have been a heck of a talent at tackle. You lose him to a medical retirement. Uh, you got Wigan on campus, a, a really standout junior college kid, but you only have him on campus for two years of eligibility. Uh, I like what Wallace and Warmly can bring to your, uh, your interior, and, and I love what they've got in the interior. So, yeah, I, tackle. Um, Olu Fashano is someone who really stands out to me. I know Carmody is a name that, that people have focused in on because of the, the in-state aspect. Uh, but I think Fashano, you talk about a kid who three years into his college career could be very special. Uh, he, he's someone who stands out on this list to me. But uh, Josh Fryer, I'm going to take another look at him because it sounds like you really like what he brings. I do like him. And he's, he's a guy that's versatile. He can move around a little bit. He's a pretty athletic kid. So I, I like what he brings to the table. And he's probably you know a safer bet than a lot of these guys. I mean, he's, he's, a, he's a guy that plays center. So he can play guard. He can play tackle. He's got the length to do that. Um, sort of, uh, kind of reminds me of an Efner type kid, a Bryce Efner type kid where he can, you can slot him in a couple different places and he can, he can be good and he, he can serviceable and, and you know, we're, we've yet to see what Bryce Efner can do, but he's that kind of prospect that you can throw out there. He's also a Midwest kid. So that doesn't hurt with the comparison. Moving on to defensive end, of course, not a lot of luck on at defensive end so far. Aaron Lewis, Fidel Diggs uh, going elsewhere. Um, not a ton of talent in the in the region. Sean Martin's a guy that I keep going back to, Amin Vanover uh, from Jersey. Uh, so those two are probably shaping up to be, I would say, probably the most realistic right now, along with Zariah Fisher from Aliquippa, who I always forget because we have him you know, rated as a linebacker, but he's going to be a defensive end at the next uh, level. Just a really interesting situation because as productive as Penn State has been at defensive end, they're finding a little bit more tough sledding uh, in this go round. Yeah, and, I, and I, you know, you lose those couple jersey guys that you mentioned, uh, you know, in the last six weeks or so, um, that, that causes you to readdress some things. I, I'm definitely curious because they've done a really good job in the last few cycles of of bringing in, you know, guys who you think about the talent at defensive end, the athleticism. You know, these are not big lumbering defensive ends. They have gotten these guys. Uh, who can just give you fits? Uh, uh, you know, Jason Oway, um, Adiza Isaac. Now I don't know if they're going to end up landing someone of that caliber in this class. Uh, but you made a note. You know, don't be shocked if if a name pops up and and they're going after hard. So you know, there are some names out there, but this is one particular target board I think that is still has some evolving to do. 
the safety target board is kind of like defensive tackle where there's a lot of names out there. Penn State's been mentioned with uh, with several familiar names both in the region and out. Enzo Jennings coming back for an official visit in June. That's a big one because Penn State, we believe, leads. Uh, Makari Page was just on campus. Though. You're going to have to get him through uh, his last visit, which is in, Den- excuse me, is in uh, Ohio State at the in, in June 22nd sorry I'm stumbling all over myself Mordecai McDaniel probably a wild card here because the, the St. John's College kid uh heck of an athlete Penn State was in on him before anyone else offered him at camp last year so to get him back uh you know he was on campus this spring for a spring practice to get him back so soon I think that's that's one that's probably a guy that we don't hear enough about that Penn State's in a in a pretty good spot with they just offered Elijah Gaines in Virginia. Nick Turner is going to be on campus, the the, the New Orleans three-star. Uh, he's going to be on campus in June as well. And Jordan Toll's still out there at St. Francis, which you're not sure. You know, Penn State hasn't had a ton of luck at St. Francis. So there's names out there. You, you've got possibilities. And then uh, uh, Bengali Kamara is always out there as well. We'll see where, where that stands after pumping the brakes on him last month. But uh, safety, I think, is is going to be a spot where they maybe not load up, but they, they get a couple quality guys in there. Yeah, that Michigan pair, Jennings, Page, I mean, those two together would be quite the package deal. But I think when you look at Page, you know, he made the trip recently, and I guess Enzo was with him as well. Uh, Christian Fitzpatrick, a, a kid from their area, a kid they've grown up you know, playing football alongside. Uh, he got a Penn State offer. So they're hitting that area hard. It's, it's Lance Dixon's from that area. Um, you know, those are the two that I think specifically stand out on the compilation that you put together at safety. And number one, uh, wide receiver. There's probably going to be a thing that happens this week that you're not going to be happy about. But uh, Julian Fleming going to going to announce uh, on May 31st again. All signs point to Ohio State. Uh, but you're moving on from that. You've got a lot of names on the board. A bunch of Florida guys. Marcus Roseme, Leonard Manuel, Michael Redding all talked about or set official visits. Keandre Lambert, uh, to me, moves into that top target uh, list for Penn State. They're going to have him on campus the first weekend of June. I think we talked about that on the last episode. Jaden Dotton's always been there. The Canadian guys, Malik Mega and Ajoa Joe. Uh, William Nixon will be back on campus in June. Parker Washington, Penn State, uh, you know, who, who we don't probably mention enough uh, as a slot guy. Parker Washington has Penn State very high on his list. And, and then there's a bunch of Florida kids as well and Christian Fitzpatrick. So, again, not how you mocked it up, but still a bunch of names out there uh, for, for Penn State at receiver. A ton of options, that's for sure. And the Lambert visit figures to be a very important one. And Jaden Dotton, it feels like he's been a name, you know, on the verge for a long time. And um, so, yeah, you know, Friday we're going to get some clarity again with, with Julian Fleming. I don't think that recruitment ends for anyone until December either way. Um, but, yeah, receiver, you're, you're working against a couple of things here. You know, the position change. But I think, you know, uh, Jared Parker as the coach, positive results as a person f- from these kids. And, you know, we got to see the proof on the football field, though, because kids are going to – it's very easy to access stats from last season. And when you see that one Penn State player went over 40 catches and no one went over 50 catches, and you're a kid who relies on catches to get to the dream that you want to live out on the football field – you know, that's something you, you certainly have to, to reconcile with. Certainly uh, treading water right now in that 2020 uh, receiver class. You know, they'll, they'll start moving forward a little bit here this summer. But, uh, yeah, certainly not how they mocked it up. Speaking of guys that we've heard about forever, Devin Ford, who's been uh, what on the pro- he's been a prospect since he was a freshman uh, in, in Stafford, Virginia. 
He finally gets to campus this weekend. I know this is one you've been waiting on for a long time. You talked to Devin a couple of weeks ago, or I guess a couple of months ago. Um, this is one that uh, really could impact uh, Penn State's season. You know, and we talk about the three-headed monster that, that Ricky Slade talked about last week with Slade, Journey Brown, and Noah Kane. But Devin Ford's talented enough to play with those guys. Yeah, do not forget about Devin Ford. There's a reason he had you know a dozen offers as a freshman. Um, and, and, you know, this is a guy who really has his act together as a person. You know, sometimes you get great athletes on campus as freshmen and you say, well, we got to spend a year trying to figure out how this guy approaches his life on a day-to-day basis so we can keep him on the straight and narrow. Not going to be an issue with Devin Ford. He's a kid who didn't miss a day of high school until he made an official visit last spring. Um, and, and he's somebody obviously 6,000 rushing yards, hundred plus touchdowns, had an incredible athletic career at North Stafford. But I think they're getting a great addition to that locker room. And, you know, he played with Noah Kane down in Orlando last winter at the Under Armour All-America game. You know, it was fun talking about those guys at the same time because Noah was going to enroll, I think, 72 hours later. And he's talking about getting there and trying to be the starter. And Devin's like, you know, I could kind of tell Devin would have liked to maybe have been on campus earlier. But the way things shook out, he does get to campus a little bit earlier than, than some of the rest of his peers here. Remember, we got a lot of, of, of incoming freshmen in June. Um, yeah, Sunday, though, he'll be on campus, and, and I do think you know this kid is a top five running back in two four seven sports composite rankings for a reason. Um, if he can come in, you know, and 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 live up to what Jaywan Sider has talked about him in their communications long distance, and, and and you heard it, you were right there. He said he has a Saquon Barkley type of mentality uh, in terms of a kid who's never done asking questions and is always trying to figure out how he can get better. Um, so yeah, do not overlook Devin Florida, and he's the guy when I think about all the the freshmen who are not on campus yet he is the one in that group that I think can can come in and really be a factor uh, for as much as as a lot of these guys are excited about their opportunities Ricky Slade Journey Brown Noah Kane the one thing that we definitely don't know about any of them is will they be durable in a college football setting always a question mark for a running back haven't seen the sample size from any of those guys at this level of the game to no one answer there so uh, it's a fortunate thing to have depth and they have it because again that running back brand is strong and They've re- recruited like crazy at the position, and, and now you have a really impressive room. That's fair, and you've got C.J. Holmes, who Sports Illustrated says is the leader in the clubhouse for that job. <laughs> uh, they need to get a different subscription uh, somewhere. Anyway, um, but uh, no, every every little bit that you can get in, um, you know, we saw last May that P.J. Mustafer and, and Pat Fryermuth were two of the guys that came in in May for that sort of that first summer semester and now that that's brisker this year but that first summer semester any little bit of extra time that they could get in help them those guys played of course did not red shirt and, and pat fryermuth had an all-american freshman season so um any little bit helps he's got uh, he's behind the curve right now but he's, he's very talented kid so we'll see where that uh, where that goes we talked a little bit on the on the site this week about break, uh, breakouts. Uh, last week was offensive breakouts. This week, defensive breakouts. We're going to start with defense. Mark Brennan, uh, for reference, took P.J. Mustafer. We have a little draft thing where we're taking guys in, in a certain order. But, Tyler, I'm really surprised by this. You took a defensive end out of New Jersey as your defensive uh, breakout player. What a stunner. Yeah, uh, I went with Jason Oway and – um, you know, I'm not on the hype train alone with this one. We've been hearing it from everybody, from Sean Spencer uh, to teammates when we were out there on the field last Wednesday with those freshmen. There's a lot of excitement about Jason Oway. And you hear all about the athleticism, but in speaking with P.J. Mustafer, who, as you mentioned, was Mark's pick for this, for this breakout role, um, you know, he says the difference between Jason last year at this time versus this year is just night and day. He says he's, he's now not just an athlete. He's a defensive end. He's asking the right questions in the room. 
He's not timid to do that. He, he just feels like he that confidence is going to carry him. Um, and, and I see it too. Uh, you know, I, I'm not predicting double-digit sack totals here, but I think he is ahead of schedule, at least the schedule I kind of saw laying out for his college football career. And I think that means that he's going to be a major weapon off the edge. And this is a team that has a lot of those weapons off the edge. But he's just too special to keep on the sidelines. I don't really know how teams are going to match up against him, especially because there's not a lot of film out on there. I think Jason Away is going to be someone that offensive coordinators understand is a special athletic talent. But it could take a few games into this season to see teams really adjust. I'm just really interested to see what Brent Pry, Sean Spencer have worked up for rotations, uh, for blitz packages, because there's no reason Penn State shouldn't vie to be a leader in sacks per game in college football again. And I think Jason Away is going to be a factor in that process. And I think a big factor in that is that you don't need him. I mean, you've got other guys that can rush the passer. Of course, we talked about Shaka Tony in a similar uh, fashion last year where it'd be a situational guy. And you kind of want Jason Oway to take 10 or 20 snaps a game rather than him taking 40 snaps a game. It's going to uh, aid his development. It's going to aid the rest of your defense. And it's going gonna, it's gonna to be something that I think pays off for them in the long term. And I think I, we've talked about this before. His sacks to tackle ratio this year might be might be pretty uh, pretty pretty outstanding but uh we'll see what happens with that i kind of cheated i took Tariq castro fields as my breakout player because i looked and he only started three games last year it seemed like he played a lot more football than that of course amani was here john reed was here um castro fields is just i think he's the most talented of the bunch including amani who just went in the fourth round to the lions um so we'll see how that that uh goes out but he's got the size he's got the length he's got the athleticism he'll come up and hit he had five tackles for loss last year which matched uh which matched Micah Parsons total which is probably one of the more shocking stats I came across uh when when researching this almost took Jaquan Brisker um haven't heard enough feedback from him or or on him since he arrived uh, I haven't really asked a ton to be honest with you if, if we're going to be up front but uh I was going to take Jaquan Jaquan Brisker. I thought about Ellis Brooks coming through. I still think Jan Johnson's the starter in the middle, but I think Ellis Brooks can can chip away at snaps as well. So we'll see what happens with those guys. But I cheated and took Castro Fields, and I don't feel bad about it at all. Well, Sean, don't you worry. I think you'll have a chance to, to shed some light on Brisker when, when we get to our immediate impact newcomer. So that, that, that might be your guy on defense, uh, potentially. That's a good point. That's a good point. Speaking of the opposite of that, now or never, this is something that, that fans sort of, sort of, I think, uh, probably look at this more uh, with more interest than they do with the breakout guys because you know you, you've had guys that have been on here on campus you have younger guys and we saw it last year I mean there was a bunch of younger guys that came in and just took jobs from older guys last year and now quite frankly a lot of these now or never guys that you would think about on offense or defense a lot of them are already gone because you know, the transfer excuse me, the transfer portal became something this year. Uh, Juwan Johnson's gone. Brandon Polk's gone. You know, if those guys were back this year, I mean, they would certainly be in here. Defensively, I look at a guy like Lamont Wade. Um, as I've said before, he's got every opportunity in the world to, to get what he wants out of this season. It's just a matter of holding off those other guys and, and, and making plays when he's in there. So I think it's truly a now or never situation in that, you know, maybe Brisker comes in and takes that job. Maybe Lamont Wade, you know, uh, establishes himself as the guy. We don't know that. And we're not going to know that until August. Uh, you know, it's certainly not the way his career 
uh, path was planned for him. You know, he started at corner, started very well in his first spring. I think it was the takeaway king in the first spring, but, you know, really hasn't seen the field all that much since then. I think uh, it's fair to say, looking back, we everybody had him rated a little high based off his competition and, and the way that he played. But uh, he's moved to safety. He's got an opportunity in front of him, and I think that's pretty much all you can ask if you're Lamont Wade right now. And I I'd imagine probably most fans, we will have a poll attached to this. I know Mark puts up a poll with it. Lamont Wade's probably going to be that leading vote getter. And to me, the the you know the overhanging circumstance here is he did go into that transfer portal. We know he stuck around, but he made that step. And um, what's to prevent him from doing that? And and that's where he, I think the transfer portal just totally impacts this now or never conversation because we're talking about you know third, fourth year guys in, in a lot of cases here. Yeah, and and Mark took John Reed. Uh, Tyler took a defensive and and defensive end is is your wheelhouse apparently. Um, but Daniel Joseph, that's an interesting pick because I, I think you're right on the money. I think Shane Simmons uh, may be in this conversation as well, although probably not as much as Joseph. We've seen flashes from Joseph, well, albeit not very consistently because we haven't seen a ton of him. But it's a stacked room, and if you don't produce, then you you know you might find yourself elsewhere. Yeah, I mean, as a redshirt freshman in 2017, uh, he didn't get a lot of momentum going in Big Ten play. We saw him primarily uh, you know, get his longest looks in the, out of conference, and then last. Last year, you figure with Shane Simmons out, um, you know, Torrance Brown moving on, Ryan Buckles' re- retirement, there's a major opportunity there for Daniel Joseph. We saw him in every single game, Sean, but I thought really outside of the game at Pittsburgh where he did flash, I think he had a, a, a couple tackles for loss, a sack in that mix, four tackles, uh, but really the rest of the way, he's a guy that you couldn't really tell if he was out there at times. And, and, and you know, Shaka Tony is, is a guy who's made some splash plays. Um, and Shane Simmons, I think I still have to kind of tie in the injury issue there and kind of what he was, what was taken away from him because of that in 2018. That leads me to Daniel Joseph, a guy who in year number four seems to be have fallen behind. You know, Shaka Tony clearly. Uh, we know that Shane Simmons, uh, th- there's optimism for a rebound, and a guy like Jason Away is is on the rise, and Adiza Isaac's on campus. He sure looks good. So I think because of how this positional group has progressed. Uh, he's in danger of getting passed up to the point where I'm not sure where he would be able to, to make up that ground moving forward. And they like him, and he's been hurt as well. But, uh, yeah, I think you're right. I mean, as, as talented as this group is, uh, you know, if you fall behind just a little bit, whether that be for injury, whether that be performance or or anything else, then you could find yourself in, in a difficult situation. Uh, moving on to the offensive breakout player, um, I kind of cheated again, and I'm, I don't feel bad <laughs> about it, but Sean Clifford is, was the obvious number one draft pick on my board. Um, Mark Brennan took Ricky Slade. Uh, you took C.J. Thorpe, but Clifford, I mean, he's going to have to be the straw, straw, excuse me, the straw that stirs the drink. Um, but, uh, you know, uh, other than that, I mean, if he, if he doesn't produce, Penn state doesn't have a good year. So uh, we'll just leave it at that. Yeah. Someone had to take him and, and Mark and I kind of spoke on our picks uh, a couple weeks ago on the podcast with, with Mark taking Ricky Slade and me taking CJ Thorpe. And I was very tempted, trust me to, to go Justin shorter, Daniel, Justin shorter, yeah, uh, <laughs> surprising, surprising. <laughs> but, uh, you know, something just tells me that, uh, CJ Thorpe back in that offensive line group, I just think he is the kind of tone setter, Sean, that. James Franklin has been asking for it for a little while now, and I think he he puts the pieces together, a strong summer camp. Again, fully anticipate he's going to have to be fighting off and battling and maybe rotating uh, with Miranda there. Uh, but I just like C.J. Thorpe to be a potential All-Big Ten offensive lineman here in 2019. Not sure I can go Ooh. that far with any of the wide receivers, though, just because just don't know what we're going to see from the passing game with, with new pieces and, and after what we saw last year. So, yeah, I'll go on the record and say I think uh, C.J. Thorpe has a really good chance of, of 
uh, matching or exceeding the third team All Big Ten results that Ryan Bates and Connor McGovern got last year. Well, no one's going to certainly hold you to that, I'm sure. Uh, Justin Shorter, by the way, was our was second in our fan vote behind Clifford, so that was notable to, to see him go in that direction. But as I said, uh, sitting number one, I, there's nobody else I'm going to take than Sean Clifford. Uh, offensive now or never, this one was interesting. Brennan took Nick Bowers, which I'll be honest with you, not not a big fan of, uh, of that. I think he has solidified his role. I think he's the number two, but he's going to play a bunch behind Pat Fryermuth or with Pat Fryermuth in, in some 12 personnel. So I think Bowers, and I've said it before, I think he's, he's in line for a solid year. We both took wide receivers, and I don't think that's very surprising uh, given what's out there in those middle classes. I took Mac Hippenhammer. You took Cam Sullivan-Brown. Hippenhammer, of course, wasn't with the team for spring. So that's kind of a layup on my end. So I'm just taking all the low-hanging fruit and doing what I may with it. You took Cam Sullivan-Brown. He entered the transfer portal. He came back out of the transfer portal. So, you know, you kind of see these decisions playing themselves out um, where you've got a very talented group behind them and Shorter and and Daniel George and Jahan Dotson. Of course, K.J. Hamler was the guy from that class that came in and made a big splash. So it's one of those situations where these younger guys are, are sort of creeping up and, and you're seeing the results of that and, it, and, and playing out in front of our eyes with this whole portal thing. Yeah, and I, when you saw that freshman class, that wide receiver they brought last year, Justin Shoulder, Daniel George, Jahan Dotson. Dotson turned out to be you know, the, the ace in the bunch, at least in year number one, emerging as a starter. But you knew those three were special players and, and – you know, you knew that that meant Mac Hippenhammer, Cam Sullivan, Brown needed to, to step their games up to avoid falling behind those guys. And I think that has occurred. You, you've seen those guys ascend, whereas Hippenhammer's been away with the program. You mentioned the baseball, Cam Sullivan, Brown. We didn't get a lot of long looks at him this spring. Um, he is easily among the most physically impressive athletes out there in the football field when you just line up everybody on the field on this roster he stands out in that way um he started to get a little momentum last year i think michigan state indiana got a significant amount of routes running those two games back-to-back weeks um a few catches but he was almost non-existent he got the start against Rutgers, but i think he went the final six games of the season sean without a catch um, so, you know, that's obviously a concerning thing. I think he had four catches on the year. So both those guys, I mean, you, you need one of them to break out. I think not even break out. You need one of them to be someone who's going to be with your program long-term and is a part of that rotation. But I think because of the way things work here, they're going to be through three years. They'll both have two years of eligibility. And I think that's a good time to start making your decision on, on whether you're going to stay or go. And that's kind of why I didn't love Mark's pick either, because, of course, a fifth-year senior is going to be a now-or-never situation. Uh, I'm thinking more of guys who are either going to prove it to themselves and the Penn State staff this year, or they're going to probably look for a new home maybe beyond to 2019. And if you look across the offense, I don't think there's a ton of those guys to pick from. That's the thing that comes that comes from it. I mean, maybe... Uh, maybe I guess Journey Brown would be a guy that you would throw in there because he is a year older than Ricky Slade. He's got the younger running backs coming in behind him. So there's that. Of course, the quarterback situation, you know, Tommy Stevens is obviously gone and you you don't really see a guy besides Will Levis that's going to step up and take reps from, uh, from Sean Clifford. Um, tight end's pretty set. Receiver is that, that area where you can go to uh, for a guy like this, Matt Hippenhammer, six catches, 103 yards and a touchdown. Cam Sullivan-Brown, four catches for 49 yards, no touchdowns. Both of them have uh, drops as well, which, you know, if you're on this list of receivers, you probably had a drop last year. So um, it's it's a situation where I think that, you know, outside of 
uh, receiver. There's really nobody that you can turn to as an easy pick for this uh, now or never type thing. Our fact-checking department just got back to me. Uh, one catch for Sullivan Brown over the last uh, six weeks of the season. One catch for nine yards against Wisconsin. That was it. Yeah, and you look behind him and <laughs> you look above him on that stat sheet. <laughs> and uh, Daniel George had in, in three games, two catches, 112 yards. Of course, that was a 95-yard touchdown, but it's just it's. <laughs> I knew you were going him. there. I knew you were yeah, going, Daniel it, George. It's funny to see him, how high he is on that list, just on that one catch alone. So, And and by the way, kid still looks like a linebacker. He's, uh, you know, he's, he's phenomenal physique-wise and excited to see that uh, redshirt freshman, those two redshirt freshmen play. And then, of course, you, know, you're, you, you see that Penn State's willing to go out and get grad, grad transfer as a receiver they're willing to you know bring in guys like tj jones and john dunmore and say hey you can compete and play right away so receiver really still up for grabs let me ask you this sean uh fair to say receiver is the position that we know really the least about on the recruiting trail and on the actual team i know you had receiver as the number one uh you know one that we're kind of focused in on and for positional need I feel like this is a position where it's loaded with all this blue chip talent. I can picture what it looks like if things go well, but there's not a lot of tangible evidence at this point. I feel like you're trying to get me to rant on something, but no, I mean, you're, you're absolutely right. Uh, but uh, th- this is a, a new coach, a new position coach. Of course, he's going to bring in his own guys, one his own guys. Uh, Jared Parker, from from what I've heard, and aside from this whole, you know, of course, he pleaded guilty to his DUI last week. And, you know, that's, uh, that's something I think, you know, is – whatever we're going to get past and it's and we don't condone that at all but we're just going to get past that and go with that um but no i've heard uh great things about him from guys in the program great things from guys that were previously in the program that that are no longer there they they like him they think it's an instant upgrade and you know this is a guy that maybe wins an extra game for you last year and of course so we see the difference in that in a nine and four and a ten and three season so uh excited to see what parker can do um i'm actually excited to see him you know over the next couple of weeks coach at camp because we really haven't seen a ton of him coach so far he's going to bring in some guys that he wants to work with um, give him a chance and it's going to probably be more 2021 type kids Um, but at the same time you can see a guy like maybe Christian Fitzpatrick coming in and working at camp Malik Mega is going to come in and work at camp so we're going to get an opportunity to see him in person and see what he's looking for in a receiver because these receiver coaches always seem to have a certain uh, thing that they're looking for Josh Gaddis was was really big on finding his own guys whether that meant not offering a guy like Tariq Black who ironically is playing for him at Michigan right now now um, when he saw him at camp and going in a different direction or uh, but but you really didn't get that with David Corley so I think we're going to see that with Jared Parker and it's going to be I think an instant upgrade and and I think you'll see results right away and and results are what it's all about I I think you get through the first month of the season and you see these young wide receivers showing what they can do in this offense under the direction of a new position coach could dramatically alter the way uh, these prospects are perceiving things at Penn State that's all it could really take I know it sounds simple They've got to go out and execute, but but really, that's what you need. You just you just need to kind of jumpstart that and say, hey, look, we can have a passing game that can move it all downfield and showcase our pass targets. And you know what they got to do is is get KJ Handler, Justin Shorter, and uh, Jahan Dotson, and everybody out there, um, you know, looking the part and and, and, and put and, some pressure on them. I mean, that's yeah. the thing. I mean, this this is a more important uh, you know with a new quarterback. I mean, you 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 could just assume trace would get you through last year and obviously that didn't happen as much as they wanted it to but you put some pressure on these receivers they have to make plays there's there's now more guys in the room of course weston carr and george campbell are coming in as well so you got to put some pressure on these guys see if they can take it and if they can't you know it's a maybe a now or never situation so um yeah it's a, it's definitely the most i think the most interesting 
part of the offense to see. You know, again, we know what we're going to see at, at quarterback for the most part. You know what you're going to see at running back with sharing carries. Uh, offensive line is pretty well set um, across the board. There's still some some battles to be won there, but they don't have the numbers that uh, that I think we were expecting, especially with the Scruggs injury, which I think actually will hurt them this year because he was he was a guy that was going to play this season. Um, but uh, other than that, I mean, receiver is that wild card, and and, and could be the difference between eight and four and ten and two or eleven and one, something like that. So I mean, that can make a difference in a couple of different games. Well, I think that's going to probably wrap it up for us. We've got a bunch more in the series coming up. As I said, we got the immediate uh, impact players uh, on both sides of the football. We're going to have team MVPs, and we'll continue this. Uh, into June, um, so stay, uh, and stay. And we're not just regurgitating things. This is it sprouts other conversations, as you could probably hear in the last couple of minutes. So we're just going to keep keep rolling with this uh, this theme here. Absolutely. So uh, head on over to Lines Twenty Four Seven for all the latest. Obviously, it's a busy time for recruiting. As we said, Penn State camp season getting underway uh, June first, and uh, it'll carry on through. May have uh, some clarity on the punter spot, and I know that's been keeping people up all night. Uh, so, <laughs> uh, for Sean Fitz, I'm Tyler Donahue. Going to wrap up this latest edition of the Lions 24/7 podcast. We'll catch you on the next one.